This is the business of sports. Let's talk Super Bowl and Fox Sports. Every single thing that occurs, I want people to remember this is a business. Guaranteed money isn't necessarily guaranteed. Michael Barr. How high can these valuations go? Scott Soshnank. Duke. Everybody loves rooting against him, right? Evan Novi Williams. Off the field, the NBA has never been buzzier. And the leaders in the sports industry. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. The CEO of Oracle, Mark Hurts. Jared Smith, president of Ticketmaster. Mindy race car driver, Elio Castroneves. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And let's start with a big one. Tom Brady. And the New England Patriots are out of the playoffs right in the wild card spot. They lost to the Tennessee Titans 2013. So the the big talk is now that Tom Brady is a free agent, one, is he going to retire? Two, and if he decides to play, will he still be with the Patriots? Well, this is where the business of it all comes in. This is the ruthless part of the NFL where you have a hard salary cap you only have so much money to spend, and the quarterback usually, unless you get you know, you're lucky enough to have a really young quarterback on on a rookie deal, the quarterback usually takes up a big chunk of that salary cap, and you can bet Tom Brady, while probably knowing he's not the Tom Brady of ten years ago, he's still going to want a pretty hefty salary, and you have to decide if you are the New England Patriots, do you want? him back at that cost or is there a better way to allocate those dollars yeah we tom brady made i think it's 23 million dollars this season uh he he signed a contract a two-year extension that was going to put him through two more years but just because of the way that was set up it voids automatically at the end of this year so he will become a free agent i think for the first time first time, yeah. first time in yeah. his career um so some things to think about certainly you know he has been a player who has been willing to take pay cuts multiple times in the past. Um, if he's willing to do that, that might make this a little easier of a decision. Two, the Patriots don't have a successor right now, right? I mean, the, Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be that person from what people have reported. Bill Belichick was livid when, when he was traded. Um, and but, this is why. They didn't want to be in this yeah, position. Yeah, exactly. And, and Jarrett Stidham is the backup. He's a rookie from Auburn. Don't know much about him. I, he's not. I he's, he's, he's not probably not be. ready to be to yeah. step in right now. Uh, so the Patriots projected to have thirty million dollars of cap space next year because the cap is expanding. Who knows how much you know how expensive it is to get Tom Brady? It sounds like he wants to play again, but you know there, there's a chance that you know that interception, that pick six he threw at the end of that game, ends up being the end of the Brady Belichick six Super Bowls, one hundred and fifty Super Bowl appearances. If he, was a, if he was a Boston Red Sox, he'd be done by now. Well, it, they, yeah. they, there is no loyalty in that. They know, you know what, they have the analytics to show. You hit like 35, bye-bye. And, and the Patriots have done that in the past. Yeah, they right? they, they've, the they've been fairly ruthless in terms yeah. of players who have been with the team for a very long time who once the, 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 the whatever, the analytics or the economics say, mm, maybe we don't want this anymore, they're very quick to cut bait. But see, before, I know everybody you know in, in the media is like, well, what's going to happen to Tom Brady? But let's Wait, let's that's go what we're back. doing. Yeah, I know. We, we're on the same boat. <laughs> but but let's, I want to go back to a series that happened that may have changed the whole game and is when the Patriots were at the goal line. I hate when he assumes I watched the game. No, I'm I, you should right. know better. Then let, me, let, me, let me set this up. Okay. The Patriots, they're at the Tennessee one-yard line. Okay. And it's first they and goal. They should have handed the ball to Beast Mode. <laughs> Thank you. Everybody will get that joke. It's far range, That's a far-ranging good joke right there. Yeah. That's uh, a good anyway. one. <laughs> and they didn't punch it in. 
and instead uh, they went for the field goal. Yeah. And uh, if they would have punched it in, that would have changed the whole Very complexion of the game. Very unbelichickian. Like, like yeah, I thought for sure likes to at fourth there. and goal that he was going to do it, Yeah, but he didn't. So now the Patriots do not have the lead, and it gets to the point, like you were saying, Evan, that he throws the pick six at the end of the game. And, of course, you don't want to go out like that. Well, there are others. By the way, Drew Brees is in the same situation. Yeah, Drew Brees has the exact same contract. Yeah, he has yeah. that two-year extension that yeah, gets voided so you, at the end of this year. Um, I think he probably it seems more likely that he is going to stay in New Orleans than, than maybe Tom Brady is to stay in, in New England. Yeah, but you know, well, you know who's we don't got have the key. any you know who's got the answer. You know who can answer this question. And, and, I don't, and it's not even Tom. Magic 8-Ball? No. You know who can answer this question. <laughs> who's going to make this decision? Well, outside of the uh, high ups, who's going to make the decision? Giselle. Right. Giselle's making this decision. Oh, the Giselle's making the decision. Yes. She okay. has for years, as we all know, lobbied for him to be done. She's ready for him to go do something else. And this might provide that opportunity. Hot off the wire, we have a coaching change in Dallas. Apparently, they have hired Mike McCarthy. Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. <laughs> you remember Mike McCarthy? He used to be. With the Green Bay Packers. The, the Packers, yeah. And, and Evan came up with the best line, no stranger to Texas. I did. Yeah, his, <laughs> his first coaching stint was where? <laughs> Fort Hayes State. Is that in Texas? Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's in Kansas. <laughs> oh, I thought, you were t- I thought you said it because it was in Texas. <laughs> oh, darn you. The same twang, man. So now I just have, but I can always get back at him by saying now he goes back to being useless. I thought, I thought he was giving me pertinent. When you said it, I thought you were giving me for pertinent information. No, I was saying a random thing about Mike McCarthy. I should have known better. Won a Super Bowl in, in Green Bay, as you said, Michael. Um, I'm not personally not surprised that... that Jerry Jones is going with someone who has coached in this yes. in this league uh, before, but that's a, a big shoes, right? I mean, not big shoes to fill, but you know, the expectation there is is, is huge. I am. I, I hate to bring this up, but uh, as we remember that, um, oh, let's say that uh, in the end, uh, it didn't uh, work out well with the relationship between McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. So now, what happens in Dallas? But him with Dak, yeah. I mean, he's the coach. He's there now. I'm, I'm guaranteeing this. I haven't seen the contract, but I know he's got a few years, and he's going to have a pretty decent salary, mm-hmm. and he's going to get paid for those years. So he's got a certain amount of power right now because he's there, and he has experience, and he won, and Jerry thinks he's the right guy. Uh, if he really wants to win, there's one thing he has to do. One thing that we have not seen from a Dallas Cowboys coach looking for success. Run the ball. Score more than the other team. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, they do that sometimes. They have to wear a hat like Tom Landry. Oh, well, I, I love the Tom Landry McCarthy hat. should come out in a Tom Landry homage hat. He'd come out, wear the tie. What, yes. what, speaking of, what happened to those days? Remember when the coaches came out and they were in double breasts and they had ties? Jack, and they Jack had Del the Rio did that for a bit with yeah. the Jaguars. I would do anything uh, for like Major League Baseball managers to not wear the baseball uniform. Oh, I, I go the opposite. I think so... football coaches should have to wear the football uniform. No, 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 no. no they look I, so bad. The hockey I, coaches look good in the suits, though. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. I, yeah. Hank Stram, man, he he had yeah, that Hank double-breasted Stram man when yep. he was with Kansas City. Yep. He looked good. Then we have to go back to Doug Moe of the uh, Denver Nuggets, and man, he had some outfits. Well, then you can go to Chuck Daly. Chuck Daly. I'll top you with Pat Riley. Want to keep going? (laughs) I can't even repeat what Charles Barkley said about Chuck Daly. Let's just say pretty dressing. That's all I got to say. Yes, yes. Well, 
That Dallas Cowboys have a new coach. A lot of this is also just the NFL, you know, media machine at work, right? I mean, the we're recording too early to get the ratings from the Sunday games. The two Saturday games did bonkers very ratings, well. right? Yeah, the, yes. the the overtime Bills Texans game, I think, was the highest rated Saturday afternoon wild card game in in six years, and then the Patriots game was the highest wild card game of any sort in the past six six years. So two major, you know huge ratings numbers and then we had an overtime game on sunday and then another close game on sure. sunday night uh, so i would imagine all those ratings are going to be pretty high as well not not a bad result for the for the league but what was going on at madison square garden <laughs> what bull riders <laughs> that's what i'm saying uh, you i know that was this is why we were a segue man. this is why that, we were yeah. this is your you guys this is your story here bull riders uh, the Pro Tour sponsorship has surged, uh, in fact, what, 25%? They're projecting a 25% increase. And now, because it's under the ownership of Endeavor, um, the reliance on sponsorship is going down. It's more media money. But still, what we found interesting about this, Evan and I, is not only is sponsorship going up 25%, but it's who they're signing. And one of the sponsors that we found very interesting with the PBR was the U.S. Concealed Carry Association. That's a gun lobby group. Now, I'm wondering if the U.S. Concealed uh, Association called the NFL or Major League Baseball or the NBA or the NHL and said, we'd like to pay you, we'd like to be... uh, What do you think the answer would be, Mr. Barr? I bet you would be... uh, Thank you, but no thank you? Yeah. Thank you, but no thank you. It would be said just like that. Yeah, Yeah, but uh, Eben spoke to Sean Gleason. He's the CEO of PBR, and I I thought his take was pretty interesting, Eben. Yeah, so he, I mean, first of all, he knows, they know their audience, right? They know who we are. Uh, And he (laughs) knows, you know, the vast majority of PBR fans. What did he call it? Cowboy culture? Support is the cowboy sport. Cowboy sport. 20, 25 plus years as a cowboy sport. Um, He knows that a vast majority of them support the Second Amendment. I don't know the number of them that are gun owners. I imagine that it's larger than it would be if you're the NHL, Major League Baseball or NFL. Um, and he really believes that the, the, the organization needs to stand for the things that its fans believe in. Now, I should add this disclaimer. Michael Bloomberg, the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent of Bloomberg News, is founder of Every Town for Gun Safety. That's a nonprofit group that advocates for gun control measures like universal background checks. Right now, more afraid of guns. I'm a little afraid of what's going on with Evan's voice. Yeah, that was... Are you under the weather, or was this just a little frog? I feel fine. No, you don't sound so good. (laughs) It just hit me now. You don't sound so good. If you get me sick again... Don't worry. Again? What? Well, if you get me sick, because I was already sick previously, not me being the again, not you doing again, but... No, I feel I feel good. Um, uh, so PBR, yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned this earlier, Scott. You know, they they rely more on sponsors than you know your NFL. You know, thirty three percent of PBR's revenue comes from its corporate partners right now, right? So you know, the, one of those is the U.S. Concealed Carry Association. Another one, U.S. The, border, the border Patrol. U.S. Border yeah. Patrol, probably another one that a lot of leagues would would maybe want to stay away from for for political reasons. But look, you know, this is a league again that understands where its customers are understands what they believe in and I'm I'm sure there is some, you know, positive equity they get from these deals. I'm curious. Coming from the Times from, from did a story recently, a big one on sort of the patriotism in the NFL and how it's everywhere from the cleats to the field, the big flags and everything. I wonder if the uh, Border Patrol came to them and said we'd like to be an NFL sponsor. I wonder how that would go. I, I mean, there's also a money component here, right? Sure. Does the U.S. Border Patrol have anywhere near the amount of money to to, to pony up for for NFL partnership? They, they, I mean, Probably they were taking not. they were taking money from various parts. I mean, taxpayer money was being used for some of the shows of patriotism in the yeah. NFL, and it had to be returned. But you've been, I know, to to a few of these PBR events in New York. Yeah. How much? How much patriotism? What, what's the what's the atmosphere? It's not like over the top. Yeah. It's it's not. 
Um, what I have told them, by the way, in my limited exposure was, one, we love the rodeo clown guy who, who's like the MC of the event. <laughs> I, believe, and how, I believe his name is Flip Rap, Rasmussen. Flip Rasmussen. I, look him up if you've ever seen him. He's very good at what he does. Seriously. He's extremely good at what he does. It's a very difficult thing. And also, they need to speed things up. Because there was so much, and I understand why you got to get, you know, one bull out, get the next one ready. I, I get it. But when you're bringing kids and you certainly want to attract kids, having like 10 minutes between, yeah. bu- it, it was just, it went for three something hours and it just felt long. I got to find a way to condense A that. lot of fights are like UFC, for example. Yes. That same I said the same thing. Right? Yes. Of I like said the, the same thing UFC. Yes. Fights, yeah. yes. Finally, this, I, I, I wonder about this story. Schools won out of bowl ticket requirements. What happens is that college football teams, they don't want to buy the tickets that uh, for participating teams uh, to buy a certain number of tickets. At, now, I'm not sure why. They're hard to sell. They're hard to sell. No, yeah. well, there you go. Yeah, but it's like selling ice to the Eskimos, my man. Can't, you can't. <laughs> if you, that title of a book by uh, you can't sell these former tickets Nets to president? the uh, people, uh, the alumni, or anybody, or people. No, oh, if to you this? could, then they wouldn't mind selling them. They're hard to sell, man. People don't want to go to these. Games. Yeah, if you're Boston College and you're playing in the Birmingham Bowl in Alabama, and you are contractually obligated to buy ten thousand tickets. It's tough to sell 10,000 tickets to your fans to travel, whatever that is, 1,200 miles down south to a, to a totally different place over the holidays to, to go watch a game. Uh, so kind of the way this economy has always worked or worked for a while now, you know, teams that when they get into a bowl game, when they sign that contract, they're contractually obligated to buy a number of tickets, right? It's 8,000, it's 10,000, 10, it's 12,000. Um, and then they sell in turn sell those to their fans. You know, they rarely sell those out, very often don't. Uh, I think SBJ reported this last week that you know Kentucky when they sold they had eight thousand contractually they only sold four thousand the SEC ended up buying back the other four thousand paying that and then they gave them for free back to the bowl to sell uh, if you watched a lot of these bowl games you know you know there's not sixteen thousand people fans in the stands for a lot of these games right so th- those tickets are not being sold it seems like colleges are now realizing hey maybe there's a way and what to get the out of this obligation. Say no yeah exactly you need us they need the schools well i guess it is a price one thing if it's the acc but when you when the sec is going through this that's a problem. Yeah, and yeah. I, it's a good question, Scott, because this is you know a large part of the the contract. The reason this is in the contract, right? This is how bulls make money, right? They, they there's there's media money, there's ticketing money. Um, I do wonder if you know suddenly the the ten thousand dollar the ten thousand ticket ticket obligation that both team has that suddenly gets reduced to two thousand. Right, which is friends and family, and maybe a few VIP boosters. Uh, the economics may start changing for for these bowls as well. So certainly something to keep an eye on. The goodie bag's going to go down. No more great. <laughs> no more PlayStation. No, no more great goodie bags. By the way, because I said Ice to the Eskimos it is the name of a book written by John Spolstra, the former president of, yes. of the New Jersey Nets at the right, time. Right. That happens to be Eric Spolstra's father. Yeah. And how cool is it that like this? He told me this story himself years ago. Yeah, he used to bring home, you know, get all the free uh, VHS tapes yeah. of of the basketball stuff, and you'll like this because it's Detroit related. And he used to be able to tell Eric when he he could tell where he was focusing on in, in the tape because he would rewind it, I and mean, you get that glitch when you rewound a VHS right. tape. Mm-hmm. I might not even know what a VHS tape is, <laughs> but it, it, it's this weird old thing we used to use. Um, but when he would do Isaiah Thomas crossovers, he would study the the Isaiah Thomas crossovers. Yeah. And he was rewinds, 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 and, and the tape was worn out yeah. at, right at that spot. And gee, <laughs> gee, it's a real wonder how this guy became an NBA head coach, right? <laughs> mm. 
This has been the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast, and we're here for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday at the same time talking to you about sports. I am Michael Barr at Big Barr Sports on Twitter. I'm Evan Novi Williams. Join us at the end of the week. We speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business world. Evan, you're supposed to do that after I say who I am. Who are now you? we've already because now I can see because follow me on Twitter at Soshnik, but it doesn't really matter because I want you to. You know, when we talk to the biggest and brightest, that's the most important part. We nailed it, guys. <laughs> you, you're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio Thanks, around the world. <laughs>